Oh, good. What can you do, right? Hey, we're taking we're taking a tour of Twig's Guide to the SE Language. Over the years, I've been focusing on several discrete topics in the SE land, SE world that um, that I've taken very seriously at trying to be exhaustive about. One of those is the language thing that we use, the communication, the words, but also how we use the words, how the lines then, right? The words, the lines, the lines that we use and how we adapt them, how we recognize the relative resiliency and openness and interest and curiosity of our clients and how we adjust our phrasing and even adjust what we ask for in order to establish fluency in the SE language so that when we ask, what do you notice now? People don't just look at us and wonder what we're talking about. They, they have some purchase for that. They, they say, oh, I know what I'm being asked for and I want to participate with the answer. That's a critical thing is to get that kind of desire to be participatory and interested rather than um, ask people questions that they bulk at and lose interest in our process. So in the guide to the SE language, which I've been kind of going over here, um, I, I break it, I break down different elements of what, why we say things. I look at the lines in various different ways. I put up a bunch of examples, hundreds of examples of us using the line or me expressing the lines in different kinds of ways. It's, um, I would say it's thorough and I'm adding more material January, February, and March of 2020. It's going to be my focus is to kind of revivify and complete everything that I have in there as best as I can. And I'm inviting people to join me. It's a four-fee program. You can find it on the offerings page. And we're going to go there now just real quick. We'll go through the offerings page into the guide to the SE language, which will then kind of give me an opportunity to show you a few more things. So here I'm on the offerings page. I'm clicking through the guide to the SE language, which I'm actually already registered for. So I can head on into the dashboard from within the dashboard. I can get into the main library, which is kind of this, you know, you got to start somewhere. So here it is all the uh, kind of um, chapters that make up the um, guide. Oh my goodness. I'm not getting to my point fast enough, friends. I think I have lots of things that I want to say. Here, I was going to try and talk about integration. I was about to say curiosity, but it's not true. I was going to talk about integration. In our work, we talk about it, we cheer for it, we champion integration, and we use the phrase integration all the time. And perhaps we have a felt sense experience and a cognitive appreciation of what we mean by that. And yet, um, whether we or our clients know what we mean by integration, it is the experience, the repetitive experience of integration 
happening that changes a person's um, conditioning of how their body responds to somatic and felt sense stimulus. You know, if, if we have a change and the change takes place and even, you know, with all due respect, the profound change of, wow, that really got my attention and I really felt different. It's easy for that experience not to be integrated, not to influence the future, not to kind of influence how and, um, and why, but influence how my organism is responding to other stimulus. It's easy for moments, special thoughts, special feelings, not to be the thing that I take with me, not to be integrated. And, um, and that's because, you know, um, ex like what we are l cultivates ourselves over time. We are conditioned by our environments, by our, the use of our organism, by um, the changing of feeling states that our body either is able to accomplish or not. And as we experience things in similar ways or over and over or um, uh, just the way things are, we grow up and we find out that we respond to things the way that we do. And from an SE perspective where we're trying to help people to cultivate and experience different responses to be able to take different channels of attention to even have their soma, their nervous system, as it were, to recognize other options rather than similar signal, repeat that same tension pattern, repeat that same dazing, dozing pattern. Instead, that the nervous system becomes more alacritous and spontaneous. For those changes to happen, the initiation of change has to be not something that in itself is so threatening. We talk about titration as a fundamental principle of how we go about introducing change that isn't so threatening to the system that the new change signal can't be accepted. So we, we look for a titrated influence of change. And then we also look for that change to be integrated, to be accepted, to influence other subsystems of like the physiology of the body, as well as kind of like appreciations and perspectives of the mind and attention and such. So we, we want for this to happen lots and lots and lots of time, times rather than wanting for any one moment or one kind of feeling or one aha of an idea to accommodate and account for and put at rest everything else or everything that irks us or bothers us or calls us to task to try to look for that change process to happen. The autonomic nervous system is a learning system. It's, it's integrated um, by communication between the brainstem and the various different subsystems of the body through nerve communication that is both kind of sending information out 
and receiving information back. To have that happen in a more integrating fashion, we look for how we can help things associate more, how we can help moments of attention not be conflicted by other distractions and other signals of our felt experience that are kind of contradictory or inhibitory to what is kind of coming into awareness or kind of being felt through awareness. We look for the continuity of experience, recognizing that a whole lot of what we're addressing when we're talking about working with trauma and accumulated stress and such is the, the incompletion of processes, of thoughts, of feelings, of motor processes, of self-protective responses. We're looking for the kind of like one thing leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing, and I can track, I can attend to, I can let my body have a more kind of like seamless or contiguous participation with allowing that to happen which allows the various different communication networks of the body from proprioceptive to vestibular to like interoceptive to like what's going on in the gut between what's going on in the brain. I mean, that's a good example of an element of what we're talking about here in that the integration of felt experience requires time, requires sufficient time. It's not simply something that we push a button and immediately feel the change in the body. Although some feeling states change quickly or come on in a rush, the integration of communication and neuropeptides and like different kinds of goods and groceries in the bloodstream that make you feel one way or another, these take time to move just because the body is a physical landscape where the communication process both moves through kind of like the bloodstream and such as well as nerve plexi some of which communicate quickly, some of which communicate more slowly. And then if we just go back to that issue of, well, okay, well, we have nerves that are bringing information from the belly to the brain, and as well as nerves carrying information from the brain down to the belly, but they're disproportionate in their, in their kind of like amounts or how much pathway they have. There is more, considerably more, they say, nerves going from the belly carrying communication and information to the brain than from the brain to the belly. And for the two of them to talk, and, and at that they're slower nerves, they're unmyelinated nerves, they're kind of like move in slow rhythmic waves, and they don't have quite the same sophistication of quickly transmitting signal. And therefore, this communication takes time for the brain and the belly to talk well to each other, particularly to integrate a change, an alteration to how the process or how the communication or how the uh, signals have been operating, which of course is what we're trying to do. We're trying to introduce a difference in that signal. We're trying to introduce a noticing of something that isn't already being noticed. We're trying to introduce something different. Maybe introduce isn't always the right word because sometimes it's just inviting the noticing of something else that's already happening that isn't being integrated 
through attention in that case. So let me come back into the guide here as you see me wandering off into the, the, the weeds and say that there, there are just like different chapters inside the guide which address all of this in the broadest sense that like... Um, that in speaking SE well, we don't want for just knowing the right line. We want for having, I, I, this is my opinion, we want for having a kind of flexibility around what it is we're trying to accomplish so that as we're meeting with one person or another and they behave differently, we can continue to adjust our invitations and our communications in such a way as to facilitate the kind of the principles or the things that we're trying to help happen. One of those would be integration. So here I've just got a couple queued up pieces that I think really aid in cultivating integration over time rather than looking for one single thing to be the thing that causes the magic to happen. So here I'm just going to pull up a minute from Curiosity, the Curiosity chapter. If you just sucked all the air out of the room, you know, everybody just... In an SE session, that's exactly what happens when you pull the curiosity out of the room. You know, part of the definition of being stuck down there on the resiliency spectrum very low is that the system, your nervous system, starts giving you the, the signal to pay very much attention. It kind of says, okay, enough, <laughs> hold it back. I don't want to pay attention to anything more. And the whole like curiosity thing, it just kind of gets sucked out, just like you were to pull the air out of the room. You need that curiosity. And of course, along the spectrum, people have access to different amounts of curiosity. Now, personality will have a lot to do with this too, right? Like a person could easily simply have a nervous system of distress, but still also have like a deep, curious sense of the world and everything. But psychobiologically speaking, we can generally frame that as the nervous system becomes more and more kind of burdened by self-protective or... Um, survival instructions, it becomes ever so less curious. And it's the curiosity for what new is to happen, what else is going to happen, what happens next. It's the curiosity for those kinds of things that will help a person kind of get out of the fixity that we can easily find ourselves in and that kind of cause them to come get help from us. Yes. So here we're going into integration. We're saying it's not just one moment that makes everything changed. Instead, we're saying, okay, I'm trying to help integrate moments, probably moments of uh, temporarily more coherent, more associated experience before the next wave or influence from more disorganized, dissociated experience comes in. That could be true. That's likely to be the case. We're just looking for like, when do these things line up? And yet we're trying to kind of call attention to those, the right amount of attention. We're trying to increase and enhance the curiosity that becomes or is allowed to be involved as these moments come forward. So there's a general 
attitude in our work of enhancing the sense of curiosity in the room with a certain recognition that people who have been put upon don't want you to constantly ask about their experience without you measuring how you do it. Yeah. So um, if we just name that real quick, we'll move on to that. There's a, a way in which we speak that is it's like permissive. We want to give people permission to pay attention to themselves and let things happen. And there are plenty of times where we don't want what naturally, what at this point is conditioned to happen for them to happen with us. We're trying to help them have something new happen. And so therefore, sometimes we are very directing or even unpermissive, I don't know, impermissive about our language in a way or with our language in a way to help them not repeat something that uh, for now, at least in our presence, at least under our tutelage and guidance, we don't want them to be putting their attention to. So here, I'll just pull up a, a moment from the permissive, unpermissive chapter. Is that we are very permissive and sometimes we're not permissive, like we're impermissive sometimes. And so whereas generally we're creating the tone, the environment that says, hey, you can, you can let those things happen. You can be yourself here. You can do your own thing. You can follow your impulses. At the same time as we're very permissive, there are times that it's really important for us to kind of like keep the line and and not allow that to happen and not get distracted by that and to say, oh, you know, that's really interesting to me and I'd really like to hear the rest of that story. And at the same time, as I want to hear the rest of that story, I'm wondering if we could pause that for a moment. We're just going to pause it. We're going to put it outside for a moment and we're just going to then see if it's possible for you. I'm going to ask you, can you tell me what you notice right now? You know, the permissive side would have just been to follow the story. But there are times when you have to like make sure that you're keeping a certain kind of regulation or a rhythm that's happening in the session that's kind of integrating and getting the various different things that you need. And so sometimes we're impermissive. And, and that's the reason I brought in that for this integration conversation. It's like if you're trying to stay with one experience or trying to kind of help connect one element of experience to the next and there's some wayward signal that's coming in and calling the person's attention and we're simply permissive to that to that then it's very easy to miss the integration of what was happening and therefore sometimes we're the guardians of attention to make sure that people don't just kind of like go anywhere they might sometimes we're very much right in here and right in here being whatever else we were already deciding we want to keep them attending to or keep them from attending to. And at the same time, we are genuinely permissive because we're trying to integrate the experience of what's coming next of the, to the extent that we can find it, the involuntary nature of the organism that is expressing its intelligence to kind of move from one state or phase to the next or some communication between the body to the next. So we're not just always telling people what to do, nor asking them to tell their attention or their bodies what to do all the time. We're very much trying to let them be permissive, but within the context of making sure that integration rather than kind of disorganization is happening. Thank you. As I'll, I'll just continue here because there's another element for integration that you probably already have, but let me just name this, that 
We want to repeat the client's words. Let's look at this. Is that we're trying to keep things moving forward. And if we do, if we take in a person's comment, I feel tension, and we rename that as I feel pressure, then there's a, there's a kind of a moment where the client, our client needs to kind of like do the translate. Well, is that what I said? Did I say tension or did I say pressure? And that little stall is just not necessary for your momentum. You could just respond to their word, I feel tension with, oh, you feel tension, right? Oh, I feel some buzzing. Oh, you feel some buzzing. Now, when I am doing it that way, you hear me saying the entire phrase, right? Like, oh, I feel some, I feel some tingling here. All right, so you feel some tingling there. It's saying the exact same words so that the person is just getting a reflection of the of the kind of state and the experience that they've named and it's meant to just kind of help get that reflection so that we can keep things moving forward okay now if you say the exact same thing your client says every single time you're you're one step better off because you're not doing the interpretation thing and then getting that oh what did i say what did you say kind of thing but at the same time you're not exactly keeping things fresh and moving forward you're not giving the sense of that spontaneity it's a good time to consider cutting back the phrase. You know, at the beginning, if you make a complete reflection of what the person says, oh, I feel some tension in my arms. Oh, so you feel some tension in your arms. If you say the entire phrase back the first time, maybe the second time, and you make it clear, you kind of establish that fluency that says, I'm going to repeat back the same thing you said. Then you start kind of establishing that that's part of what happens in this office and when you do that then rather than continue to always do the entire phrase you can start cutting it back you know like ah tension in your arms you could cut out a next part of it oh tense arms oh in your arms oh some tension and if you've kind of worked backwards from naming the entire thing naming the entire phrase and then cutting back, then when they hear you say tension in your arms, people will hear the entirety of their phrase again, but it'll have the sense of kind of something advancing, something moving forward, because you won't be repeating back the exact same phrase the entire time, every single time, as if you're some kind of parrot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So just getting into the the nuance of it there and such but there is this quality of like we don't want to go into interpretation when we're trying to help people integrate their experience by calling forward a different thing than they're talking about or thinking about when they use a, f a word if we on the side of integration are just there to repeat their same word even if we're cutting back the phrase as he says there of doing less of it so that it doesn't sound too repetitive Nevertheless, that isn't to set up the conflict. It's to try to remove any kind of impediment to like, yeah, that's what you're noticing. Let's just keep paying attention to it as it continues to move forward and we see what happens next. In which case, let me pull up this next chapter. This is on stitching language, which um, is just a real uh, a beautiful thing that we employ. Uh, we'll grab a couple moments out of this. Mind, or the mature mind, is the ability to kind of like connect things one moment to the next and that's precisely what we're trying to do all the time in our sessions we're trying to kind of say like okay rather than feeling this and then getting distracted by something else or feeling this and then trying to get away to something else 
let's feel this and see as that transforms, as that transitions, as that becomes something else, if we can stitch that experience to the next one so that the nervous system starts to create a more like contiguous or continuous like kind of experience of its state or phase transitions or however we talk about it to see that as things are changing we're able to kind of pay attention to it as it happens and as it happens is one of the the common stitching phrases oh as that happens what else do you notice that stitches one thing to the next thing so the the two primary words for stitching are as and and you know and what else do you notice as that happens there are others though meanwhile i notice when i'm in japan people say um my translators say that a lot they use the word for meanwhile or at the same time um i guess that's that's another way to to say the same thing oh so as that happens at the same time that's happening what else do you notice another way to stitch two things together right peter also talks about like kind of stitching through the the waves of consciousness and the deeper states in his in his post uh, post advanced work post uh, post advanced work check that out too that's good yeah his post advanced work the eye of the needle so um one one last here we'll just do this while we're here we'll the, we'll step in on the priming session because okay so there you have like stitching one thing to the next have continuation of a person's thought process or not an intrusion or deflection from it by using other words you have like kind of trying to keep things moving forward and then you have without being distorted or distracted by other things and here we have kind of preparing for what's on its way so that it will be well accepted as it arrives and we'll be ready for it and we'll just touch a little bit on priming our language is greatly benefited by the sense of kind of you know kind of whispering into the future of what could and what might happen you could consider it a little bit like foreshadowing you know whereas if you see later in the session there's like going to be some tension expression that looks like, you know, some kind of aggression. You, you, you might say earlier on, right? It's like you might like suggest aggression in your voice or you might use particular words such as, you know, like let's, uh, let's look at how we're going to kick that around, you know, like that's not really mine. That's borrowing. So it doesn't come off so well. I don't actually use those very much. Where I use priming is something more like a person is settling back into their chair and I say, I can see to myself, oh, that's the first part of settling back into their chair. And they're very likely, should they give themselves permission to in a few moments from now being like really settled back into the chair. So I might kind of prime for that by saying like, right, like gravity goes all the way to the center of the earth. And that's like a way of saying like, oh yeah, you know, if you were to continue to let yourself settle, it would continue, you would continue to find yourself settling more, right? Yes, yes, that's right, right, that's right. Which would allow you to integrate that experience by staying with it and seeing how things associate and having more time and attention for the process of letting your 
body experience integrate its different kind of elements of experience without, you know, being distracted or feeling other wayward signals that don't kind of match up with this or even giving enough time for the communication between your brain and your body to recognize that you are now settling. So those are just like a few little chapters because I have like a responsibility to let you know, you, you SE practitioner out there, SE student, you folk that are like wanting and are doing, I'm certain, good work with folks, but you find yourself just like kind of caught up all the time at wondering which lines to use, wondering why when you say things that you say in the training with your clients in your real world work, why it doesn't land the same way, what you could do to translate your lines that you've learned in the training to help your clients want to like take in these requests and suggestions. I have a responsibility twig here to let you know that this program is available for you. Uh, I, I don't think it answers everything. I don't think it would. Um, it certainly it certainly wouldn't reproduce the training. It wants for somebody who understands SE and is trying to apply SE and is playing with it and is investing in their process of becoming artful in it, this program wants that person, an SE student or practitioner who wants to kind of cultivate the breadth of their work. It's looking for you so that I can help you see, well, these different kinds of ways to speak, these different notions of what we're looking for, these different interventions for when you really need them, these different invitations to make it smaller for a person to accept the offer. That's all there. It's at sereflections.com. I would look for the offerings tab, the offerings tab up in the menu, which honestly, you're probably on the page that already has the link to the program. But in any case, I'll just mention on the offerings tab at sereflections.com is the entry point into the guide to the SE language. And it's a robust program to support you, independent study-wise, at your own pace, from your office, at your home, in little pieces, all very well laid out to give you a, a bit of support and um, insight into how to be more successful with your SE communications. Okay, thank you for letting me do this little promotional series, this little tour I will continue to work on SE Reflections, the, uh, particularly the free open parts, as much and whenever I can. And at this moment, I'm having to focus on revenue works. And so therefore, you see me putting this focus in at the beginning of 2020. Okay. I'm wishing you all the very best out there. Bye-bye now.